Mike Pompeo and the State Department are only concerned about a new law in Brunei that sees the stoning of LGBT people and adulterers. This is the Focus Group Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash, an off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Welcome to TFG Unbuttoned. John Nash here in New York with my good friend and co-host Tim Bennett in Philadelphia. We want to thank our friends at Critics' Choice Video for being a partner of ours here on our weekly podcast. They are America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987, and we er encourage you or urge you to visit them by clicking on their logo at our site, focusgroupradio.com. So uh, welcome to the new week. Nothing stands still, and we have uh, right at the top, we have Sharia law coming back into focus because that's what that whole stoning thing is about. And it does sound a bit... Uh, medieval, kind of like a couple centuries ago, right? Well, it's a uh, it's an authoritative regime which seems to be in vogue right now around the world. So, um, in, in Brunei, I had to go back and look up Brunei, and I don't know if you remember it's 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 off the coast, you know, it's part of Borneo, I mm -hmm. guess off off Asia. And I went and looked it up because I remember in the, remember the Preppy Handbook by Lisa Bernbach, and she, I do. She'd been on she'd been on our show, the Focus Group, a, a few times. And there was this whole thing about this used to be a, a place that people, it was on their bucket list to go to, was to go to Borneo and go birding or something. But now apparently if you're gay and you go, you're going to get stoned. Well, so. yeah. And so this, <laughs> this thing we're talking about is Brunei has quietly been imposing layers of Sharia law. And this is called phase two and three of the Sharia penal code. Some of the punishments that they can invoke are, are, of course, insanely inconsistent with international human rights obligations under treaty. You can have your hand or a limb cut off for thievery. Um, stoning, if you're a woman accused of adultery or if you're an LGBT individual and they, they you know, put, point the finger at you, say you're guilty. And you saw a video, actually, a horrific video of what stoning actually is, right? Yeah, you usually get buried up to your chest, and so just your head is exposed, and then, you know, the townspeople to uh, carry out the law then decide to pick up bricks and big stones and stone you to death. And essentially, um, the YouTube video, and I, I happened upon it by accident by just Googling this disaster in Brunei, they obviously, thankfully, had blocked out the actual visual of what they were doing. The screen was, was, um, was pixelated. But you think, I don't know, I guess it's like hanging. I guess it's like some of the other issues. People think that in the United States we are um, archaic because we have the death penalty. So, it, it, but but I just can't imagine the horrific, you know, um, death that takes place in some of these uh, countries in the in the name of religion. You know, and that's really what it is. It's you know, and, and as a sidebar, there's something you said that's kind of fascinating about how they gracefully or, or thankfully pixelated out the individual or the actual brutality. I remember once watching a photographer, a guy that was uh, went into battle zones around the world and photographed uh, for Reuters and also for National Geographic, and he actually had the opinion, which I thought was interesting, and I sort of agree with him, that we shouldn't censor these images because this is what it looks like when you, right. do, when you do something to another human being. And, and when we when we soft pedal that somehow or we don't show it on the news, we're actually in a way not really experiencing the emotional impact of what that's involved with. 
So on this Brunei thing, another th- article that you found uh, that lines up with this is that Elton John and John Clo- uh, George Clooney are, uh, George Clooney started it actually and Elton John joined it, but they are recommending a boycott of Brunei owned hotels. And apparently uh, the Sultan and the financial company around him own some of the most expensive properties in the world. In London, it's the Dorchester in Hollywood, it would be the Bel Air or the Beverly Hills uh, Hotel, and they're encouraging people to just cancel events and not even stay there as a kind of a boycott or a, a sending a signal. I don't know how that's going to affect their bottom line, but um, I thought that was at least a good stance. No, and I know you and I have been to the Beverly Hills Hotel. There are lots of uh, events that are held there. There, there are two obviously very nice hotels uh, in the Hollywood area, but I would hope that Hollywood or a lot of these organizations that use those two hotels would not go there for that reason. I, I think it's despicable. I, I think it's one of the issues uh, with what's happened with technology and travel, unfortunately, is the good part is you get to learn about people. The bad part is you get to learn about people. <laughs> and um, Yeah, I like that, yeah. But but I when I saw this, I just shook my head. And I think the other travesty in this whole thing is that despite the HRC and a number of people trying to get uh, information out of our State Department, they gave a very lukewarm response of, well, we, we believe in human rights for all and you need to you need to adhere to all the the international conventions and treaties and blah, 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 all the the different UN talk, which one of our favorite movies summed it up best about the UN, quite frankly, in my opinion, when uh, they were they were telling North Korea they couldn't have nuclear weapons. Remember the movie Team America? Well, it's it's and one of Hans, Hans Bricks comes in and he says, you know, what's going to happen if I don't adhere to the UN's mandates? Well, we're going to send you a letter telling you how angry we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you and- <laughs> Another sidebar, you and I have often thought that Team America should be one of our membership movies. Like if there's a focus yeah. if there's a focus group or a TFG unbuttoned club, you should buy <laughs> Team America, the puppet movie that we adore. And yeah, what's the worst it's gonna you're gonna get a letter. Yeah, what's gonna happen letter. if I don't what's gonna happen if I don't let you look at my nuclear sites? We're gonna write you a letter telling you how angry we are. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean that's essentially what, what happened here. I don't mean mean to make light of the of the stoning, but um, I would think our State Department needs to be a bit more forceful and take a lead on this, but uh, I'm not holding my breath. Well, and and just to wrap this one up, George Clooney wrote a guest column for the website Deadline, and one of the things he said, but this April 3rd will hold its own place in history. On this particular April 3rd, the nation of Brunei will begin stoning and whipping to death any of its citizens that are proved to be gay. Let that sink in. In the onslaught of news where we see the world backsliding into authoritarianism, this stands alone. In other words, the the backslide to totalitarianism and authoritarianism is bad enough. This just takes the cake, right? Seals seals the deal, yeah. So this next article that we have, um, oddly, uh, you had mentioned the HRC a moment ago. They did play a large role in this, and um, Google finally pulled off their Play Store. For their, it was to their app store, a um, a gay conversion therapy app that uh, that many other platforms had already removed simply because you either believe that this is a abusive, horrible practice. I think it's binary, or you seem to not to. But I I think everybody's medical groups, politicians, individuals have s- seemingly come down on the side of. This is an abusive, horrible practice that would be conversion therapy. 
But it actually took the HRC suspending Google's 100% rating on their corporate equality index score sheet, which I believe was released last Thursday, to get them to move and re- and remove it, and then they restored their score. But I mean, really, <laughs> I was confused a little bit by this one because I is is this a fine line? In other words, if could, could I use the example, or would I get in trouble for saying perhaps say if you had a horoscope app on there, and someone didn't believe in that or thought that was junk science? Just don't download the app. Well, okay. So, yeah, I I was wondering where you were going to go with that. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, horoscopes don't put people into programs where they're exposed to abusive issues and behavior. No, and that's what I and that's why I said is it, it, it maybe it's not a very good not a very good analogy. And that's what I was trying to figure out here. What was the the issue? Is obviously none of us agree with conversion therapy, and and it's it's um, considered child abuse. Because you're yes. trying to change change somebody, so I get that. Maybe maybe I maybe I misspoke there, but I was just trying to figure out how how you, how do you decide what goes what becomes an app and what doesn't become an app, and who's going to be the the moral authority on that? Well, yeah, it's the stick, sticky wicket of um, censorship in some ways. I right. I think that here we have a cultural point where a vast majority of individuals would say app. Okay, so the app is a choice. I download it or I don't. But having it available at all seems to be the problem. Right. And um, I guess I'm on the side of having it available at all because if you're going to discredit the entire practice of conversion therapy, you just don't want that to even be available. And interestingly, at the end of the article, they said more than 140,000 people had signed a change.org petition calling on Google to ban the app. Um, But... The flip side is a separate petition calling on Apple to Apple because Apple's uh, store had it for a while, calling on Apple to reinstate the app had guess what, twenty four signatures. So we have one hundred forty thousand people saying remove it, and we have twenty four saying reinstate it. Now the twenty four, yeah, and I so libertarian point of view, you know, First Amendment rights, freedom of speech, freedom of choice. I can see all that. I get that. But I think there are times in our country when we've made decisions about public health issues and putting and, and exposing people to things that while you might say it's their choice, cigarette smoking is a prime example, and I don't want to equate any of that to conversion therapy, but in this case, it's the same thing. Like, no, we all agree it's bad, okay? So we're just not going <laughs> to... Did you know anyone who's ever gone through conversion therapy? No, I have not. Yeah, I had a friend of mine out when I lived out west, and uh, his family actually sent him east for it to a university, short of getting a lum- uh, lumbotomy. Is that what lobotomy. it is when they go into your yeah. lobotomy, into your brain? And it, he's a little older than us, and to this day, he screwed up. I mean, poor guy. I mean, he's just, it really screwed him up. Parents were very, very uh, right-winged evangelical and sent him when he was 12, 13 years old to this university for this experimental conversion therapy to uh make him straight and um to this day he can't struggles with just friendships let alone being in in a relationship it's it's sad even friendships yeah struggles with just friendships of trying to make a a connection with people because of the fear instilled of well i might like you too much as a best friend you know it was that that whole uh, electric shock therapy and and so you you don't want to have any close relationships with a male as a best buddy because you may that may lead to other thoughts you know it, it's it's horrifying when you think about it how so horrible I, how horrible yeah. 
and I feel sorry for him. And I, he, he's a friend of mine on Facebook, but I, and I still follow follow along. But I, I've always, um, to, I talked to him at length about it, what would happen to him, and it, it's just, if you know anyone who's gone through it, it just how horrifying it is. Well, I'm just glad that I avoided all of it, and and I had a parent. Well, and and a lot of that revolves around family as well, and your religious beliefs, and specifically at a certain age, of course, you're a dependent, so it revolves around your parents' beliefs. It's yeah, at twelve know. years old, you you get stuck on a plane, and so you're going off to camp. Yeah, you're you know, a dependent. In, in quotes, you're, you're not, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> in air quotes, exactly the camp thing. Yeah. Now, the last um, article we have, I picked because I know of your love for the show Shark Tank, which my I My favorite love. show. <laughs> I really enjoy it as well, and they always feature some pretty cool things. And the headline reads, reads on this piece from CNBC.com, Business booms for former NFL player Chris Gronkowski after Shark Tank appearance. Now... If you know the name Gronkowski, you you might know it because he and all his brothers are actually professional athletes, and uh, one of his brothers just retired from the New England Patriots. Yeah, he was probably the most fa- or most famous or most um, I don't know if the right word is lucrative, but he he had multi million dollar contract with the New England Patriots. Yeah, that's Ron. I think it's Ron Gronkowski, right? Yeah. And uh, so what Chris did, uh, Chris Gronkowski was, you know, here's an idea. So Tim and I talk about this a lot on our main show. We don't; it's not our main show, but our Wednesday shows, which is uh, on, available on YouTube and Facebook, one to two p.m. on Wednesdays, and it's called Focus Group Radio. Um, that's our social media handle as well. But we talk about a lot for many years. We've talked about people who have created things or have, you know, had a lot of success in in business or in creating a product, and a lot of it starts with something that they had a personal need for, you know, they, or they saw like, wow, it would be cool if this could be this way. I think I'll do it. And they ended up making a product that's really great. So his thing is called the um, ice shaker. And it comes from the fact that he used to get ready to go to the gym and he used to make a protein shake in one of those plastic shaker cups, I guess would be the thing. And by the time he got to the gym, if it was 100 degrees out, whatever, the, the bottle was already sweating. And by the time he wanted to actually drink it or use it during his workout, it was actually lukewarm. And so he created this product which keeps the, uh, the product, you know, like the shake or the fluid inside this ice shaker thing cold for up to, was it 30 hours, I think? 30 right? hours, yeah, 30 hours. Um, so I'm pretty blown away by <laughs> by that. It's a clever thing because he's like, that could be for water. It could be for, for anything you want. In his case, it was a protein drink. He goes on Shark Tank, and what happens to him? Well, so it's an insulated an insulated mug or an insulated um, water bottle, I guess for lack of a better word, which I think there's other ones out there. But for them, I think it's the name of yeah. them. And so a couple of the sharks, Barbara... Uh, Corcoran and uh, and Grenier, they both said, "Why don't you call it the Gronk or the Gronkowski instead of the the Ice Shaker?" And uh, but they wanted to keep the name uh, the Ice Shaker, but they did do a special, couple of special editions called called the Gronk or the Big G or something to that effect. And their sales over six months when they first started, before they went on, were at eighty thousand in sales in six months, and then up to over three million after their appearance six years or six months later. And you hear this a lot from people that go on, uh, sometimes go on to Shark Tank just for the PR, knowing they're not going to make a deal. And it was interesting. He said here, I don't really need, he wanted 10% ownership for a hundred, I think it was a hundred thousand dollars or 150,000. Yeah. 
And he said, I could just ask for, I could ask somebody I know for a hundred thousand. He looks to his, you know, multi-million dollar brother. And, uh, he said, but I need your expertise on how to market this. And so he ended up doing a deal and, uh, he ended up working with at that, uh, and that particular show, Alex Rodriguez, the New York Yankee was on with Mark Cuban, who also owns the Dallas Mavericks. So they went in for 150 K for 15% ownership. And, um, so I, I like Shark Tank for this reason that I think anyone who has a great idea can go on. And if it's pitched well, um, you see lots of success stories. But to me, that you, you said something earlier that, that resonated with me. It's not coming up with the next greatest thing. It's really building the better mousetrap. And in yeah, this solving case... solving a little problem in your daily right. life or something. Right, and it's the same with the Scrub Daddy sponges and the other things that you, you've seen um, that have done well in the show. And I keep kicking myself thinking... Now, I don't think an insulated bottle is any great, any great shakes. I think part of it is um, their name attached to it and uh, the celebrity to get on the show. But I just think all the time, I always tease you, we missed another thing, we missed another thing. And I tease my friend Brian at, at Mark 360 at, at the same thing. <laughs> it's like, what, what little mousetrap thing can we build that we can get on and make a few million with and get out. <laughs> so, it's like the pet rock or something, right? I mean, what yeah. what are we All missing, you John? Is, you only want a couple million. You just... In and out. Just get in and out. Beanie babies, uh, you know, all this sort of stuff. But, if you know, is there something out there that... Um, I still kick myself. You know, I came up with the idea of at, when I worked at Subaru. You know, you see them in all the auto parts stores or in the, the big box stores in the in the auto aisle. These Febreze fresheners that you clip onto your yeah, and the vent, like air conditioner, the, yeah. the vents. And part of my job in launching the Outback, I said that we should have a pine smell in the car, some sort of outdoor smell, more so than just new car plastic chemical smell. And uh, wanted to do this. Everybody thought I was crazy. And I said, you know, you could just clip these on. So I went and got sprigs of eucalyptus and rosemary and stuck them in the vents, and the car smelled great. And uh, that was probably twenty years ago. <laughs> But I kicked myself because then this other thing came out. I thought I could be sitting on easy street, you and I with an infinity pool. Nope. So that's the thing. You know, is there something, John, I want you to think this week. Is there something we can do? Somebody said if we wrote down three ideas a week, you'd come up with one. Yeah, that was an author of a book that we yeah. had on over on when we were on Sirius XM. And um, you did, Dan, I forget his last name. I got a, yeah, I have I forgot a it too. book sitting on my shelf. But there was a worksheet that he sent us that you would basically, every day you would just write down three things or yep. you'd jot down ideas. And he said after a month, you'd actually come to one. You'd, you'd, you'd begin to circle. You'd see a repetitive pattern of one idea re- emerging constantly of... I don't like my commute in the morning or something. You know, there was something yeah. that you, a problem you wanted to solve and then you would figure it out. Solve a daily problem. I started it for only two days. I think that's the problem. People don't, people don't continue doing it. It's you like gotta, a new you year's resolution. Have a, really interested. You got to be consistent. You got to, you yeah. got to like journaling and writing stuff down on a daily basis. So yeah, but yeah, Shark Tank is pretty cool because of what it does and who it exposes uh, the consumer to and also the entrepreneur. So as I mentioned at the top of the uh, podcast, uh, Critics' Choice Video is a partner of ours here on TFG Unbuttoned, America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987. You can get there by clicking on our site, focusgroupradio.com, and looking for the Critics' Choice logo. Now, 
Last week or the week before on Unbuttoned or on the Focus Group, I mentioned a movie that, uh, a documentary that Bob and I actually watched, which we really, really enjoyed because I didn't really realize the scope of this director's um, film history. And he was known for some of the most iconic films of the 70s, some of my favorite films. And uh, just released as of today, uh, 2nd of April, you could get it at uh, Critics' Choice Video. Look for the DVD, Hal, H-A-L. It's about the director, Hal Ashby. Literally, um, it's just available there today. The movie was released commercially in 2018 to theaters. I highly recommend it because if you love movies and TV, one of the things that fascinates me the most about any of this is how any of it gets made at all, given the in- amount of people involved, the money, the decisions, the executives, the creative talent, <laughs> how any of this happens to get on your screen is sometimes a miracle. And if you watch Hal, you're going to get a really interesting look behind the scenes of a true artist. Anything that caught your eye? No, I was, uh, as you were saying that, I went over there and looked at that. There's a comedy cell going on, and it's all the usual suspects. So if you need to add to your comedy library, um, be sure to check it out. I looked, I looked, but I was looking at Hal as you were talking it because, you know, I love a documentary sort of thing. So, um, and a, and a biography. So this is right up my alley. You, did you, you have, you, you've said you've seen it, right? Yeah. And I, I highly recommend it. It's about an hour and a half. And, um, really, I, it's just how, as I said, how some of these movies get made, how they get green lit, how talent gets yeah. assigned. And how a director can or work with an actor, and on the third, there's a scene in the movie being there at the end of the movie where Peter Sellers does something. It was apparently it was his an improvisational move that he did on the third take of a scene. It ended up being the take that made it to the movie that actually turns that movie in a way that makes you like, oh my god, this is an amazing motion picture. So wow. those are the things that I fast I'm fascinated by. Well, be sure to head over to focusgroupradio.com and click on Critics Choice Video. They're America's movie and TV authority since 1987 and a partner of ours here on TFG Unbuttoned. Catch TF- TFG Unbuttoned every Tuesday. Our, uh, our podcast is released. And then, of course, you can join John and I every Wednesday live on our show, The Focus Group. And to learn all about us, our podcast and our show, go to focusgroupradio.com. You can also listen to some of the old shows. Richard told me this weekend he, he finally caught up to a lot of shows and went there and, uh, and downloaded from our website. So everybody have a great week, and we'll see you uh, in the beginning of, uh, or the what you would like to say, John, the second week in April, the second Tuesday, or the first, <laughs> the I don't know. The second I, week of the fourth month of the, the first quarter, year. or is it the new quarter, <laughs> the first Tuesday in the new quarter? Anyway, we hope you all have a good week. Take care. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash, available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.